Well, please lift your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be looking at the passage in Romans chapter 3 together. Romans chapter 3. Justification by faith was the doctrine that stoked the furnace of the Reformation. And that can understandably make us all feel a little bit nervous. Who wants to bring up painful divisions from the past? Justification, however, is too relevant to turn a blind eye to. It's too important to leave on the shelves of history. In these briefing notes, we've been considering some of the major Christian teachings. And I want to suggest to you that getting clear on this one is potentially the most life-changing. What I've found is this. There are lots and lots of examples of people in history whose lives were transformed by a clearer understanding of justification. And most of those people were, were dealing with, painfully dealing, if you like, with personal reality of sin in their lives. Sin's ugliness having got the better of them. And then suddenly they glimpsed its amazing, life-transforming truth, justification by faith. Take the, the poet and writer William Cowper, for example. Uh, William Cowper was in absolute despair in a mental institution. And he later described how he found a Bible on a bench and he read Romans chapter 3 verse 25. And in a few moments, it was suddenly clear and like never before him, he could see what God had done for him. Most people today though, have rejected the biblical analysis of the human condition. And in our last briefing note, uh, we saw that everybody's infected. Everybody is hopelessly trapped in sin. Now, sin isn't just a religious concept or a theory. It's a devastating reality for every single one of us. For a whole uh, list of reasons, though, it's very unpopular to talk about sin. And it's even sometimes considered harmful to describe people as sinners, as guilty. But then every so often, when people see the horrible reality of sin raging so intensely in their own lives, the Bible starts to make sense. And justification by faith, well, that becomes a lifeline. Now, if you do know what justification is, you might be inclined to tune out a bit. But, but please don't, because another thing I've seen is that justification by faith can be so easily substituted in our lives for cheap alternatives. Now here in the house, we have a carbon monoxide alarm. It's here in case that silent killer leaks from our boiler and quietly replaces the oxygen in our bloodstreams. Too easily we lose the doctrine of justification by faith in a similar way, silently subbing it out for doing good things. And we start to subtly and maybe not so subtly think that the religious things that we're doing will please God enough to make ourselves right with them. I want all of us to learn again today the wonder of justification by faith, by faith alone, not by works. Uh, we sang about it in that song just a couple of minutes ago. And now reading it again from Romans 3 and understanding it, my invitation to you is to, to let the truth of justification by faith stoke the furnace of our Christian lives. As it dawns on us, our gratitude to God will increase, will multiply. 
and it may even give us a renewed desire. It should give us a renewed desire to share the gospel. Well, today we're going to ask two questions about justification by faith. Very simply, what is it? And as we go along, we're going to consider why is it so important? Well, what is it then, firstly? Well, it's something that God has done. And, and I want us to reread these verses from Romans 3 that Carmen read for us. But I want you to notice specifically what God did, what God has done. Have a look from verse 21 of Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you see that God's activity is all over this? This is something that God has done. In terms of a definition, justification is a legal verdict. And it refers to God's legal verdict, God's declaration. We should imagine God here as he is, as the highest judge that there is. And so Paul's reporting God's final verdict to us, to the Roman Christians first and now to us. And so we look up from the dock, we stop what we're doing, and we hush down as God, the highest court judge, makes his declaration. And here it is in front of us. God legally declares that despite the horrendous reality of us being guilty sinners, without hope, that's what people are by default, God declares righteous everyone who will simply turn and trust in Jesus Christ. Justification, you see, is firstly something that God has done. It's all His doing. His gracious declaration that sinners can be declared righteous by having faith in Christ. You know, we often miss the significance of this powerful declaration. But here's what I'd urge you to do. I, I want you to pick up on something if you're not a Christian. You see, if you aren't a Christian, you're still part of that courtroom scene. And your place in that courtroom is that you're on death row alongside me and everybody else. And we're all guilty of sin. The only difference, and this is crucial, is that you might be still arguing your innocence. Maybe you're arguing yourself, or maybe through a lawyer. Earlier in this letter, though, Paul brought forward all the evidence, exhibit after exhibit. And sadly and tragically, in fact, every one of us is guilty. Look back to chapter 3, verse 10. Paul writes, None is righteous, no, not one. And so then, no matter what good things you've done, or even if you won't concede to being all that bad, you have no ground to stand on in this courtroom. No ground to stand before the righteous 
judge. Perhaps you've, you've never looked at what God has done. Well, the Bible says all the way through that God made everything. And it says that we, men and women, humanity, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the God who made everything of his glory. And now look at what he declares. Despite all that, there's a way. There's a way that you can be justified. You can be declared righteous. So don't dismiss it. Stop for a moment. I want you to consider what this means. I want you to hear an invitation and respond to it. Now, if you are a Christian, you'll still, like me, need to be reminded of this declaration. Maybe you've known about it for years. You've read it so often. And, and you might even agree with it. You might even know it very well. You can say it, you can sing it, you know it. Well, here's what I'd urge you to pick up on today. This is not God relaxing the restrictions. This isn't a, a more lenient sentence or a measure of limited freedom being given to us. This declaration, if it properly sinks in with us, is monumental. It's destiny changing. And, and it should well up on us from time to time, like it did in William Cowper as he sat on that bench, as it did in others through history. Having no place to stand, God has done the impossible as far as we're concerned. He's given sinners like you and like me a secure place to stand. And he did this by declaring us just, not by our activity. God didn't declare us just by us being not quite as bad as other people or by having a good family background or never having sunken as low as other people or keeping ourselves fairly clean in the middle of a bad bunch. No, look at the reason you have a place to stand and see that this is God's doing. This is what God has done. It's not our doing. And because this standing is God's gracious activity, we gain something almost unbelievable, wonderful, wonderful assurance of salvation. I want you to think about it. You see, if it had something to do with, with you and me, I'd never be sure that I'd done enough. I'd never be sure that I'd done enough to earn God's salvation. But you see, because this was God's amazing declaration, that changes things. So whatever your circumstances, Christian, right at this very moment, I want you to think again about this amazing declaration today. If your future is uncertain health-wise, if you're struggling with depression, if you're not, like all of us, getting any younger, if you're surrounded by sadness and loss, come and see again what God has done for you. If you're a Christian, what has he done? God has given you a secure place to stand. But then the question is this, how has God done this? Yes, justification is something that God has done, but secondly, we can see that justification is something that's achieved through Jesus Christ. Something that's achieved through Jesus. Let's pick up from verse 23 here. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received 
by faith. Justification is, is God's legal declaration, legally declaring people righteous through Jesus Christ. Jesus is central to this amazing declaration. And Paul explains it here, that God has actually paid a price. It was a redeeming. Did you see that word redemption? In the ancient world, the way you could pay a price to buy back a slave or to bring them out of slavery was called redemption, redeeming them back. And so God looked at people, people who were slaves to sin, not one of them were righteous, and he graciously stepped forward to buy them out of it. And what was the price he paid? Well, it was in, as Paul describes here, the putting forward of his son, Jesus Christ, verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The, the central idea here is, is that of propitiation. That's a big word. It's probably easiest described as a sacrifice of atonement. But what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, we saw what redemption meant. But in the ancient world, propitiation is the idea of making someone propitious or favorable towards you. In the Bible, it doesn't, this word doesn't come up that often. But whenever it does, it's used to refer to a covering of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark, remember, were the stone tablets that contained the law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. See, God's people in the Old Testament had a system. And it was a system of sacrifices to deal with their sins, to make atonement, to deal with their sins. Because God had rightfully wrath against them because of their sins. And when the people made these sacrifices, they would sprinkle the blood on the atonement cover. And it was that atonement cover came to represent for the Jewish people the place where, or the means by which God took care of the people's sin problem. So then think about Paul, what he says here then. Paul says, God put forward Jesus Christ as a propitiation by his blood. Paul's saying that here's the place. Here's the place where definitively God took care of people's sin problem. And that's by Christ's sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice. God was made propitious towards all those who will have faith in Jesus. Now, I want you to think, as this picture of justification is starting to emerge for us again, you can see that any religious activity, anything that I do that calls attention to what I am doing, is very far from a biblical understanding of how we should approach God. Remember that reading that Maya read for us from Luke chapter 18 earlier? Well, when Jesus told that parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector, he was pointing out the absolute farce of trusting in ourselves or yourself to be righteous. Now, the new phrase we have these days is, is virtue signaling, where we say things about ourselves or do things and then want others to notice. Virtue signaling. But you see, none of the good things we do or signal or even boast about, to use the language of Romans 3, None of that can make us right with God. We'll see next week that there is a place for living rightly, but it's not ever to earn favor or salvation with God. You see, God made the declaration. It's his work for us 
through Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself sounding more like the tax collector or sounding more like the Pharisee, look at the tax collector in that little parable. Luke describes Jesus' words as saying, This man who would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And so today we've seen that justification is something that God has done, achieved through Jesus. And thirdly, justification is something that's received by faith. Now, faith is all over these verses, all over it, mentioned so many times. Have a look, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who have faith or for all who believe. Verse 25, to be received by faith. Verse 26, God, the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27, there's no boasting. Why? Because all this is received by faith. Verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. The Bible says that Christians are justified by faith. And crucially for us to understand, it's not that our faith is something good in itself. It's not like faith is something that earns God's justification. No way. That's not what the text here is saying. Faith isn't an activity that earns us anything before God. The best way I've, I've found to, to understand this is to see faith as an instrument. Faith is an instrument through which, by which justification is given to us. There's a word in verse 24 that's really helpful here. Have a look. We'll, we'll pick it up in 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, when God declares sinners just, it's because of his grace, unmerited favor. It's because of his mercy, even though we're sinners. Grace and mercy that were demonstrated through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And our only access to that amazing provision is by faith taking that gift. Have you taken that gift with both hands? Now, if we had time, and we don't, if we had time to read the whole letter to the Romans, we'd see from the context that, that Paul wants this doctrine, justification by faith, not just to be something we know about, but to really make a difference among Christians. And David Shaw, one of the commentators, points this out. He says this, he says, Paul has crafted this account of justification by faith in Romans chapter 1 to 4 to encourage unity within the Roman church and to encourage support for the mission to Spain. You see, as we come to grips with justification again, it should help Christians. We should set it to work. It should reawaken in us not some kind of denominational pride in an important doctrine. There's just no room for that pride here. You see, without God, without what God has done through Jesus Christ that we can take and receive by faith, we're just like everybody else. 
You see, there's no room for pride, no room for self-righteousness where justification by faith is concerned. Instead, there's only humility among God's people. This should humble us as a church. You know, properly digested and appreciated, justification can inspire not divisions in the church from the Reformation period and since, but it can inspire unity. Not individualism, myself sorted with God, but a renewed desire to reach out in mission, to let a sin-sick world hear the good news about Jesus. Well, finally, if you've never accepted this amazing gift, please take it this morning. It's yours. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, this doctrine is so meaty. There's so much to it. And yet when we look at it carefully with your word open before us, we see it's about what you have done through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access to it by faith, not by doing religious things. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this gift. And Father, we pray that it would inspire in us, if we're Christians, that unity. It would inspire mission. It would inspire humility. And Father, if we're hearing this and we've never accepted this gift, if we still stand condemned, would you help us to see this as something amazing, as it is? Heaven's doors opened. And would you help us to walk in by faith? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.